Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, is it buy or sell for the Jets' hot start to the year? Plus a look ahead to Winnipeg's weekend back-to-back. And why not the Bombers West final as well? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, a big, big weekend on tap for Winnipeg sports. So let's dive right on in. A couple of tough matchups for the Jets on the road. And then the cherry on top on the gridiron with the Blue Bombers hosting the Lions in the West Final with a three-peat on the line. So why don't we talk a little hockey football combo action to kick off the episode? It will involve the Jets, and it will all make sense, I swear. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki is joining me once again. Tice, how are we doing today? Not too bad. I mean, the cold weather with the snow is not ideal, but... I mean, we'll make the we're, we're from Winnipeg, baby. Just in just in time for the West Final, too. Just BC's not going to be ready for this cold. I was going to say, they don't, they don't have any of that in BC right now. So I think we should be just fine. Um, for those that don't know, also, um, myself and Tyson actually just um, put the finishing touches on a trade in our fantasy football league. So we were uh, getting in on that action before we got started. It all ties together perfectly here, Tyson. Because I don't know if you caught this earlier today, but before I joined Hustler on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Mason Appleton was a guest and spoke with the guys. And and it was a really good conversation listening to him talk. But the main piece was we got an update on the Winnipeg Jets Fantasy Football League. It's been a heated, heated competitive league for a, a number of years now. And I, I want to get your – I haven't told you anything about this. I'm assuming you, you know nothing about the Jets Fantasy League, correct? I, I just know that they go absolutely ham for it. So, <laughs> okay, so I want to get your predictions on what Mason Appleton said is going on and, and some of the guys. Because there's like different fantasy football guys, right? Like there's there's the guy that always forgets to set his lineup. There's the guy that takes it away too Like there's all kinds of guys. The Jets have a couple of those guys. So I'm going to give you the guy – And then you have to give me the prediction who that is on the Winnipeg Jets, okay? All right. right. First place right now in the Jets Fantasy Football League. I'm going to go with KFC, Cal Connor. 
It's the youngster, Cole Perfetti. Oh, wow. to a lightning quick start. Mason Appleton said, I mean, Mason Appleton said, I don't know if it's true or not, said his team is six and three or six and four right now. So so he's doing pretty good right now. But it's it's the young guy, the, the young gun that's off to the quick start there. Um so we figured out who's at the top of the league, who's dead last in the Jets fantasy football league right now. Uh, I feel like I've heard that Adam Lowry isn't the best, so I'm going to roll with Adam Lowry. Maybe he doesn't have time to pick his lineup because he's resting his body after making 40 saves a night, but it's Connor Hellebuck. Oh, no. It's Connor Hellebuck who's dead last in the league right now. And finally, quickly, who is the guy in the Jets Fantasy Football League and everybody has this guy in their league? who is constantly proposing awful trade after awful trade after awful trade, trying to screw somebody over out there and put their team over the top. Who's that guy on the Jets? Nate, Nate Schmidt seems like a pretty persistent guy, so I'm going to roll with Nate Schmidt here. It's Connor Hellebuck once oh, again. <laughs> I don't know if it's like, I mean, he's dead last and he's trying to find a spark to get his team back in the chase, but apparently, apparently Helly is just tossing out grenades instead of lifelines in the Jets fantasy football league. And he's, he's become public enemy. Number one, he says nobody even like opens a trade request from Helly anymore. So, <laughs> Oh, I know. I know exactly the kind of guy you're talking about with that, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I thought it was just kind of a funny, neat little thing. I mean, we know the, the vibes inside that Jets locker room since the start of training camp has been top notch. I mean, it's, it's a completely different, atmosphere with the way the club is you know performing off and on the ice right now and so it's just kind of neat to see that the boys are having a good time whether it's on the ice whether it's watching Hellebuck go one and eight whatever it might be everybody's feeling good and doing good right now so we'll switch gears back to more so what's going on out there on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets obviously I mean everyone in Winnipeg is feeling great after the dominant performance against the Dallas Stars on Tuesday night the Jets now atop the Central Division, 8-3-1 and one to start the year. It's about as, I mean, pretty much as perfect of a start as anybody could have hoped for right now. But there is somewhat of a, I don't know, I don't know if it's necessarily glass half empty or some people might say realism or whatever you might say. There's some people that are wondering... Is this for real? Like, can the Winnipeg Jets continue to rack up? Maybe, maybe not go eight three and one in every stretch of twelve games, but be a club that can contend for home ice in the opening round of the playoffs. Essentially, I think that's a, a fair point to say. And we we know that it hasn't always been smooth sailing, despite the eight three and one start. But the team is certainly trending in the right direction. Sustainability seems to be the word of the day regarding the Winnipeg Jets right now. How much of this is sustainable? And I thought it was really interesting, since we don't have any actual you know, game action to break down here. An article from The Athletic and, and Dom LeCision, who came out with his, what he calls his 16 stats instead of 32 thoughts, 16 stats. And in one of those, highlighted the Winnipeg Jets, 8-3-1 start to the year. And Dom, and I guess the numbers in correspondence with that, aren't necessarily buying what the Winnipeg Jets are selling right now. And I was just curious, Tyson, now that we've had a few 
you know, about 24, 48 hours to kind of digest and maybe take a step back from that big win against Dallas. Just quite simply, buy or sell. You buying this 8-3-1 start for the Jets and them competing for the top of the division? Are you selling some of that stock a little bit early and saying, I don't know, this might be a team that's looking at a, a wild card battle as opposed to a home ice playoff battle? I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this hot start with the Jets. And I believe in that article it said that the Jets are producing the same amount of chances that they did last year, correct? And Hellebuck's kind of bailing them out. Yes, I will get to those numbers in just a sec, but continue. Right. So uh, my take on that is that, yes, those numbers may be similar, but watching this team compared to the team last year, they're two different teams, in my opinion. Just just the way that they are con- they're controlling neutral the neutral zone. It doesn't see- Yes, Hellebuck's having to make big saves, but it seems like as the games carry on, as the Jets start to settle into games, it seems like they start to kind of kind of just take away some of those chances that they were giving up later on in games last season and so i'm yeah i'm gonna buy this and this is all happening without one of their best forwards and nikolai ehlers too getting him back would be a huge get and there's still lots of there i know we're hearing some rumors now with the nikita zaitsev clearing waivers that maybe you know maybe there's a move in ottawa with one of the jets d-man here and maybe they bring in an extra forward you know it might just be draft picks but if they can bring in an extra forward from ottawa all of a sudden the forward group starts to round out more and nikolai ehlers coming back I'm going to buy the stock on this Jets team for sure. I mean, maybe we should circle around on that Ottawa Ottawa trade talk because that's that's intriguing as to who the Winnipeg Jets, maybe not even necessarily who they might be targeting, but who would be the odd man out on the blue line there. So maybe we should touch on that a little bit later. But to the point you kind of made there, I, and I'll paraphrase a bunch of this for, for brevity's sake, but essentially Dom lists this off here. Are the Jets better offensively? No earning the same amount of chances and still struggling to score at five on five as opposed to last year. Are they better defensively? No, essentially the same goals against per 60 compared to last season. Is the power play better? No, roughly the same. They do have a slightly improved penalty kill. And I I would say not slightly, a a much improved penalty kill. One of the worst in the league last year to one of the best in the league this year. I think selling the Jets a little bit short there, but then kind of points to Connor Hellebuck, 9.38 save percentage, 12 goals above expected in just 10 games so far. There's your answer, same as it always has been for the Winnipeg Jets, is what Dom from The Athletic says. I think that's a little bit harsh. And it kind of goes back to me, that famous quote that you might have heard, there's three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. I think it was Queen Elizabeth that might have said that, but... This, to me, is where things can kind of get skewed, and you could, I don't know, I think you can look at those numbers in a negative sense and say, see, this team's no good, or you can warp them in a way in a positive sense and say, that doesn't really tell the whole story here. I don't think that tells the whole story with the Jets right now. I mean, one is, you know, probably the main point you brought up there is that Nikolai Ehlers has suited up for two to three games so far. So, I mean, him coming back alone is a major, major boost to this team's chances. But you take that into account. Rick Bonus has just been behind the bench for multiple games this week for the first time all season long. You know, tough to get a read on, on what that does to a team's performance. But, you know, looking at how they played with him this week as opposed to the start of the year, I think it's fair to say that the Jets have gotten a significant boost with Bones back there behind the bench. 
And and yeah, look, Helly's Helly's been vintage Helly. There's there's no doubt about that. But I do wonder, and I, I wondered about this, and I crunched the numbers myself. And it does paint a much rosier picture of the Jets if you take this into consideration here. Also, bear in mind, I failed stats three times in my first year of college, so this this could be completely incorrect. This is completely unscientific here. But I wondered with how insanely awful the Jets were against the Vegas Golden Knights, if you took away that game and looked at the Jets' numbers on the season as a whole, what would they look like? And you might say that's not fair. Whatever. It might not be. I'm going to do it anyways, though. I think it's kind of a, an, an anomaly, like the outlier, which you do take out of uh, out of the equation, by the way. I do know that about math. But I just wondered how much that one game weighed down their season-long stats so far. Because Morrissey and Pionk, for example, you know, by the numbers, are performing well below average. But that one game they were so bad in has dragged everything else down that it kind of clouds what they've been able to do for the team so far. And and the answer is it has a huge effect on how mediocre to below average this, this Jets team looks right now. You know, as a whole, with every game included, the Jets, if you believe in this stuff, their their expected goals for percentage is, you know, just around 46, which puts them, I mean, well into the bottom 10, closer to the bottom five than it does to the middle of the pack. You take the Vegas game out where they gave up an expected goals of just under six, which is shocking. They rocket all the way back up to a decent 49.89, which puts them on par with Tampa Bay, Edmonton, and Dallas. Not not so bad, right? All of a sudden, things start to look a little bit rosier and maybe a little more optimistic from that front. The same goes, I mean, with the Corsi battle, everything like that. They were so bad in that one specific game, three games and four nights, all on the road trip, all out west in two different time zones. If you take that one away, they're not, you know, perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you know what? They're playing much better hockey. And with the with a ready-to-go Connor Hellebuck, you can kind of understand why there's a lot of hope and optimism for this team start. Do, do you buy that there, Tyson? That, you know, we take that one game out, fair or not, that it, it might might not be so bad? Yeah, 100%. That was actually the first thing I thought, too, when you mentioned that Connor Hellebuck stopped at, what was it, 12 goals? 12 yeah. Goals, goals above average? That was, that was the media game, I thought, where it was like... There's four of them. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And and being so early into the season still, I think that using those kind of stats to paint a picture of what this Jets team is going to be is a little bit premature. And I do see that obviously the numbers are going to improve once Ehlers comes back, once they start to settle more into the system. So I think that by by the end of the year, I do think that the Jets are going to be kind of that middle middle pack, upper echelon of the middle pack team. And I do think that they'll be battling for home ice in the in the first round of the playoffs. It's always so tough because it's impossible for any any hockey fan to watch every single game of every single team, right? right? So people in their markets are more in tune and they're more, I think, adept at singling out what looks right, what looks wrong, what needs to be fixed, what doesn't, everything like that. Everybody in Winnipeg, to me, seems to be on board with the fact that this just looks like a different team. 100%. It's and it's not always easy to quantify that with the numbers, but 
it's so, so true. Like, it's just, it's night and day. The things that they have struggled at through parts of this season have been self-inflicted wounds in terms of puck management. And and while that has to get cleared up, obviously, that can be corrected pretty easily. This team was awful last year specifically because there was no structure and they couldn't defend and they didn't seem to care a whole lot either. Like the the cardinal sins of, of hockey, really. And it's a complete 180 this year. There is more structure. Mark Shifley leading the pack is showcasing a lot more effort and determination. And they just look like they're having fun and they know what to do out there. And with a Vesna candidate behind them, that they're going to win more games than they lose on the night. I, I just, I do feel like it's a completely different team. And I think as the weeks and as the games start to pile up here, we'll see things start to showcase themselves in a more advantageous position for the Jets when it comes to maybe the shot charts the analytics and, and different things like that. But when when I saw that, I, I think we're kind of on the same page and a lot of others here in this market that, you know what, the numbers are what the numbers are, but there needs to be a little more context to that. And you know what, things are going to turn out just fine. Right, so, and, and we'll we'll see that this coming weekend. I mean, Calgary and Seattle, they have two teams with a lot of firepower. This is a good, this is a good test to see if those numbers are accurate. I mean, obviously we're going to, you can't take two game sample sizes and pin them against... Uh, what an 11 game sample size we're just playing semantics at that point but yeah no i think this weekend's going to be a big test and i think if the no even taking splitting this weekend wouldn't be the worst thing in the world yeah well it's a perfect segue so thanks for setting me up on that one that's what we're going to get to in the second half of the episode here the flames and the kraken on tap for the jets so we'll take a look at how those teams have done so far early in the nhl season But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Sunday's a big one north of the border, but it's a big one down south as well with NFL Sundays getting better and better as the season goes along. And new customers that sign up right now can bet just five bucks on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. On top of that, everyone can earn up to a one Hundy percent boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. There's some beauty matchups on tap this week as well. Tice, I mean, in the CFL and the NFL as well. If you're talking about maybe some same game parlays you want to dive on into, maybe take Geno Smith, potential MVP candidate, over one of the half TD passes and Tom Brady to throw a pick as the Seahawks take down the Bucks. I don't know. Just throwing it out there if you want to win some money. How about this one? Bombers money line. Zach Kalaros to throw two touchdowns. Nick Dembski anytime touchdown scorer. Just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle on your weekend. Make some, you know, we always got to work on the weekend a little bit. So why don't you sprinkle on that? Sprinkle away and DraftKings same game parlays will give you a payout to last you till the end of the year. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We'll get to Zach Moneyline Caleros in just a second here. But before we do that, let's take a look at that. Back-to-back for the Jets on the weekend. 
We knew it was going to be a tough one against the Calgary Flames going into the season. But, oh, boy, the Seattle Kraken just might be for real. At the very least, there'll be a, a test. It'll be, it, it won't be a walk in the park for the Jets when they uh, go up there in Seattle to take on the Kraken. But before that, Tice, the Calgary Flames up on tap, a late one, Saturday night. The CBC, the old CBC towel is up for grabs if the player of the game is up there on the Winnipeg Jets, the postgame uh, interview with Scott Oak. But what do you make of the Flames start so far? Hot right out of the gate. And it's been six straight L's after that. They find themselves at five, five, and two on the year. Yeah, no, it seems it's been a weird season so far for them from the Flames. I mean, Huberto hasn't really gotten going yet, hasn't really produced, and now he's injured. He'll be, I think he's a question mark for Saturday's game. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see if he suits up there. Yeah, I mean, they what when they started off the season, they showed what everyone thought they were coming in. And these past couple of games, it's just been. They just don't look like the team that everyone kind of thought that they were going to be. And it's, you know, they got a good back end there. And just Markstrom doesn't seem like he's at the same level as he was last year. It's, it's, they're an interesting team right now. And I think the Pacific's got a lot of question marks regarding everyone except for Vegas, really, at this point. Yeah. Feeling pretty good about my, uh, my preseason home run swing at Vegas running away with the Pacific. That one's looking pretty good right now. Not feeling as good as my Lindy Ruck gets fired first prediction, but oh. you win some, you win some, you lose some. Either he gets fired or he wins the Jack Adams. Who knows? Um, you know, it's interesting. What's what's interesting with Calgary's lukewarm start to the year is have you have you taken a look at their schedule? Uh, not closely. It is an absolute murderer's row for them to start the year. It doesn't really get a whole lot easier for them. They've got the toughest schedule of any team in the NHL, by the way, for those that don't know. But here are the teams that they've played so far this year. Colorado, Edmonton, Vegas, Buffalo, which is surprisingly tough nowadays. Carolina again, Pittsburgh, Edmonton again, Seattle, Nashville, New Jersey, New Jersey, Islanders, Bruins. There is not an easy game on the sked for them right there. And it continues that way for the next handful of games as well. You know, when you when you look at those teams, and I mean, a lot of that is teams in the upper half, maybe even the top 10 of the NHL this year. 5-5-2 five, five, and two all of a sudden <laughs> doesn't look all that bad. So I, I, I'm not overly concerned. I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Flames fan about the team's so-so start, especially with how many pieces they're trying to configure into their lineup and everything like that. I mean, Kadri's been off to a great start. Surprisingly, he might just be one of those rare Blake Wheeler types in that you turn 30 and all of a sudden you become a point-of-game player. He's he's continued right where he left off uh, in, in Colorado there. But I, I, I like when the Jets play the Flames just because with Daryl Sutter behind the bench, it's always a really good test, right? Like they're just a well-coached team. They generally dominate the puck. They're not afraid to, you know, turn up the, the the quantity instead of the quality. And that's an area where the Jets have struggled defensively in the past. And they're big as hell and physical. And so it's kind of a tough test all around out there. So I'm intrigued to see how the Jets find themselves and equate themselves when they go up against the Flames in Calgary on Saturday. Seattle is, no doubt about it, one of, if not the surprise teams of the season so far. And and we kind of made fun of them the other day. And, you know, do you buy, do you sell on them as well with, with Dave Haxtell behind the bench? But it's interesting, so much analytic talk this episode, 
Last year, so many models predicted the Kraken to be a playoff team, like to, to kind of do the Vegas and, and surprise everybody. That didn't quite happen. They stunk it up. But were the models right just a year late? Like, what's what's the deal with the Kraken? Yeah, I mean, th- they made a lot of great moves this offseason, too. But, I mean, picking up Andre Burakovsky in their top six has been massive. He's been off to a great start. Adding Bjorkstrand. Matty Beneers has been absolutely terrific to start the year. I believe he was your Calder pick, and it's not looking too bad right now. Bing. <laughs> but, yeah, Martin Jones has been has been surprisingly steady so far for them in net while Grubauer is dealing with like, with some injuries, which isn't... Yeah. Which is, which where, isn't. where have we heard that before? <laughs> but, yeah, I... I mean, I still don't buy them fully just because of the question marks in net and even on their back end. I just, I'm just not sold on a back on that kind of back end with, you know, they got Adam Larson, Vince Dunn's there, but yeah, I'm not sell, I'm not buying the Seattle stock right now. I mean, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe that top six is going to continue to light up teams, but yeah, I'm not buying Seattle Kraken stock right now, especially with Dave Haxtell behind the back. <laughs> especially with Hack. And I, if you want predictions, this is one I guarantee is going to happen on on Sunday. The Kraken, the Jets might see more point shots in that Seattle Kraken game than they do for the rest of the year. Get prepared for low to high shot on goal that entire game against Seattle. You know what's interesting about the Kraken is, as as it's situated right now, at least they might have the best third line in hockey. And that's Yanni Gord, Jared McCann, and, and Brandon Moneymaker Tanev, as, as Jim Toth likes to call him. That, that That's a pretty damn impressive. That's a decent second line on a, on a lot of teams. But to have that as your third line, some some really, really impressive depth out there in Seattle. And I totally agree with you. Bjorkstrand was a complete steal and a coup by Ron Francis in the offseason there. And they're they're just deep. They're, I think, to me, the perfect definition for the Kraken and you see this sometimes with football teams is they're frisky. Like they're just a frisky team. They're they're never going to they're never going to outskill you or anything like that, but they're just pesky. That's where they're frisky and they're pesky. They're they're, they're <laughs> It's sorry, I knew it ended with the ski. They they're just pesky. Like they they won't be an easy out. If you come into town thinking you're going to skate away with two points, they're going to come out and smack you across the head. And you're going to be in a battle for 60 minutes. It's th- those are just it's tough to play those teams night in night out. So I, I don't I don't I still don't anticipate the cracking cracking the playoff line there, but they're just going to be a difficult team to play against. Hopefully the Jets only play them a couple more times. I I, I can I can kind of dig what what they're doing out there in Seattle right now. Think back to the pesky Sens back when uh, oh so pesky they almost beat the Penguins and then, hey. When they make the playoffs, we can we might be able to call them the Seattle pesky crackheads. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not so sure that nickname's going to stick, but but we'll see. Who knows? Uh, what? By the way, just quickly here, a minute on this. What do you make of the Shane Wright situation out there in Seattle? I'm really intrigued by it because you start to wonder: Is this? part of the reason why he dropped in the draft is he maybe have sort of a and we saw at the draft too where he gave the death glare over to montreal after they so took awesome Slavowski. i i don't know it's really i mean dave haxell has always had a tendency to not play his young yeah. guys so maybe it's just not a fit with the coach there but i mean i can't see how it helps him just to be kind of stuck in the in the press box for seattle at this point i mean you got to play games and you got to develop his game i 
I don't think the OHL is necessarily the best move for him either because, what, you're going to send him there and he dominates again, puts up 150 points, and maybe he doesn't work on the parts of his game that are going to need that he's going to need to work on to make it in the NHL. It's going to be – it's really interesting. I mean, this is where it would be nice if the CHL and the AHL came to an agreement. I know. Certain players who meet a certain – criteria and they don't have to go back to juniors while without burning a year yeah it's pretty clear what it is he's he's too good for the for the ohl and he's not good enough for the nhl right now yeah like that's it i i actually you know for all of dave haxtell's faults i don't really blame him at all on this one i mean he's icing a, a roster that's playing good hockey they're in the playoff mix He's not one of their 12 best forwards right now. It's that simple. And and maybe maybe he's their 11th or 12th best forward, but are you willing to burn a year of his ELC just playing him eight, nine minutes a night and potentially not even, you know, having much of an impact on on the team's performance there? I so to me, although it sucks, I do send him down to to the OHL. Probably gets traded to to a better team, I think. Uh, who did he play with? Brampton? Whoever he's whoever he was with before. Um, likely to trade him. He'll get moved to like a championship caliber team and he can just go out there and yeah, go out there and dominate. He didn't play a ton of games his last couple of years in junior with the with the pandemic and everything. So I think the dude just needs hockey. I I, I don't think he does any good sitting out there and, you know, watching. I, I get that he does practice and everything like that. But for me, an 18-year-old, first, second, third, fourth, overall, whatever it is, just have him out there playing games and He's not doing that right now for, for the Kraken, but I also don't necessarily fault Dave Haxtell for doing that. So that'll be the back-to-back for the Jets. Pretty tough one. Pretty tough one. But I would agree with Tice that a, uh, a split here, no matter how they, they find a way to pull it off, you get two points in this. You feel pretty good about yourselves. You got a few days off before you face one of the worst teams in the league in the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday. And then the schedule definitely tightens up after that, heading into American Thanksgiving with games against Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Minnesota. Let's wrap up the episode here. Tice, it's time to talk some football. And I would, I, I never in a million years thought I would utter these words. But the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going for the three-peat with their start to the postseason. It still boggles my mind that a dynasty is potentially on the table when I went 30-plus years of my life without seeing the team so much as compete in a great cup game. So it's just, it's uncharted territory. You're a little bit luckier than I am, although you had to wait too, but it's uncharted territory for me still. You've been, now for those that don't know, Tyson's a producer at the Bomber home games this year. So you've seen, you've seen a lot of Bomber action in close and personal. It's prediction time, baby. Are the Bombers going to make it three straight appearances in the great cup final when they host the BC Lions? Yes, they are. I I honestly think that this the BC Lions were the better matchup out of the two teams that the Bombers could have faced. Because, I mean, you watch any of the games that they played against the Stamps, the Stamps played them really hard. And even, I believe it was week four when uh, the Bombers played those Stamps, and the Stamps pretty much just completely shot themselves in the foot the whole game. They should have easily won that one early on in the season. And yeah, I mean, Nathan Rourke being back for BC is big for them. And, but I... I think that he's kind of going to be in for a rude awakening come Sunday with the with the weather and just the defense that the Bombers have. I mean, these guys have been waiting all all season. I'm not all season, but the past two weeks just waiting. No, all season. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the past two weeks waiting for thinking that Nathan Rourke was going to be in. I'm sure they've watched tons and tons of tape. And one other thing about the Bombers is that 
I don't think they've, I think they've used maybe like 10% of their playbook so far this year. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what the Bombers pull out. I think we see a couple gadget plays. I think we see Nick Dembski get involved quite a bit in the offense. Dalton Schoen's always a threat. And then even Rasheed Bailey. I think we see a lot of Rasheed Bailey as well. I'm really excited for this, for this game Sunday. And wouldn't it be sweet if we get the Argos in the Great Cup too and we see Andrew Harris' potential revenge game in the Great Cup against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I'll be really excited to see that. I don't know if I want to see. I don't know if I want to see a motivated Andrew Harris on the other. I don't know. That doesn't sound all that fun. I, I, I give me Montreal. I'll, I'll take the Owls over Andrew Harris at a revenge game. You know, I, I can't really add a whole lot to that because we pretty much have the exact same, the exact same viewpoint on this one. I. It's funny. I was on Winnipeg Sports Talk and I, I said essentially the same thing. I was like, I'm just happy it's not the Stamps coming in because yeah. that to me was the worst matchup. And me and Huss were both kind of nodding our heads like PTSD, like, yes, thank God, no stamp. Because it remind it would have reminded me a lot of when the Bombers went on their first Grey Cup run. That year in the regular season, the Bombers played the Stamps so, so close. And they lost every single game against them. Yet first game of the postseason on the road, they went out there and just kicked the crap out of Calgary. And... I was a little worried we would see some deja vu on the opposite side there because you're right. The Stamps, the Stamps very easily could have won every single one of those matchups. You can make the case they were the better team in at least two of the three matchups. It's so tough in football to beat the same team three times, let alone four times. So I'm just happy it's not Calgary. And, and anybody around my age is just kind of like, it'll take decades before we don't fear the Stampeders coming into Winnipeg. But I, I would agree too that it seems like young QBs, they always go through a pretty big speed bump when it comes to postseason experience, and they generally don't go into the most difficult place to play in the league and come out of there with a win and perform well. And that's kind of how I envision this one turning out and that Nathan Rourke has, has a bit of a rough one against a, a, a refreshed, rejuvenated, ready-to-go defense. I, I think... To me, there's two secret weapons in this one as well. I think in the cold, trying to tackle Brady Oliveira when he gets ahead of speed is gonna be like there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of business decisions made by the Lions defense in the third and fourth quarters there. I think he is maybe the X factor, the ultimate X factor for the Blue Bombers in this one. I expect him to have a really, really big game. But the secret weapon for me is this Tice. There's a big, big party before the game. They're showing the East Final on the biggest TV screen outdoors in North America right now. The Bombers' secret weapon is that they're selling beers for five bucks. They, the, the fans are going to be well lubricated oh, and ready to go. And that is going to be a nasty environment, a nasty crowd to take on. I, I think that's going to be the key for the Bombers in this one is that Nathan Rourke isn't going to be able to deal with 30K plus half in the bag blue bombers fans after crushing a half dozen beers at $5 a pop. So I, I think we're both on uh, the same boat that we're going to see at the very least a uh, trifecta of great cup appearances for the blue bombers. Yeah. And if honestly, if we're talking professional sports teams in North America, regardless of, regardless of the level it is, I honestly think the blue bombers are one of the most well or well-run organizations right now in yeah. all of sports. You can't argue that. No, you, I, just, you can't. They're, they they do. What what don't they do well? Exactly. 
it's like man it, it wasn't all that long ago like five six seven years ago where they maybe a little bit longer than that because O'Shea and, and Walters and, and Wade Miller started the the machine turning around then but it wasn't all that long ago this was the laughing stock like the bombers were a joke the yep. stadium sucked the team was somehow even worse and they couldn't get a coach they couldn't get a quarterback they they, they were just a, a complete embarrassment and now they're like the freaking Patriots like it's yeah. it's just wild I, I can't get enough of it I, I just I'm jacked. I'm excited. I know everybody here in Winnipeg is too. And um looking forward, looking forward to the matchup there. And hopefully we can uh by the, this time next week be talking about a potential uh gray cup preview, whether it is against Andrew Harris and the Argos or the Montreal Alouettes. Um by the way, wouldn't this be sweet too? How about a three-peat on Saskatchewan's home field? Oh, get the banjos ready. Get the banjos ready and start plucking away. Have have double the wins in Saskatchewan that the Rough Riders. Oh man, that that would just be ah, oh, it'd be so perfect. The ultimate cherry on top. But we'll see how that goes. That's still a long ways away. Let's just take care of business against the BC Lions on Sunday afternoon, please. And thank you very much. Well, that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off on the high note. And what better way to cap it off than talking some Blue Bombers and 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 the playoffs and everything to come there. So that'll be it. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to CJOB's Tyson Rowicki for joining me once again. We'll get back at it on Tuesday morning. Plenty to get to, including the Bombers. But most importantly, breaking down that back-to-back for the Winnipeg Jets against the Calgary Flames and the Seattle Kraken. We'll see if the Jets can get i don't know if they'd be the first maybe one of the first teams to get to 10 wins on the year in just 14 games so we'll see if the team can maintain their strong level of play out there on the road until then though have a great weekend everybody have a take a second remember those that have served this country and paid the ultimate sacrifices as well on friday for remembrance day where a poppy Show some respect and gratitude, everything like that as well. But for the rest of the weekend, stay safe. Have a great time. Enjoy the Bomber game on Sunday. And we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Peace.